Okay, welcome into the latest edition of Limeland Hoops in History Season 2. Great to be with you. I'm Matt Childers alongside uh, Coach Mark Bagley and Jason Geyser, the sports director at Hometown Stations. And uh, great to be back with you guys and really wish you a uh, good Happy New Year and all good things as uh, we uh, turn the corner. I think we're only, uh, if I'm correct on this, we're only two weeks away from the high school tournament draw, potentially. That'd be like February 7th. Does that sound right, Bags? Yes, it does. About two and a half weeks. Yeah, so uh, things going quickly. And we know from the OHSAA that they have not uh, scheduled a uh, tournament venue for the regional sites and for uh, the state championship. And Jason even mentioned on the radio program uh, Saturday that it may end up being uh, you might find yourself at a state tournament either playing at a small college or at a high school uh, venue based on uh, the availability and uh, just the practicality of it with uh, less fans. So we'll see how that goes about two and a half weeks away from the tournament draw. And uh, we'll uh, talk about high school hoops coming up here. Lots to get to. I got to tell you guys, uh, last uh, evening I had on the computer, I had uh, Lorraine versus St. Ed's, a buddy of mine up in Cleveland, uh, turned me on to that game. I had that on the computer. I had Michigan and Ohio State's games, which Ohio State playing Purdue. That was a bad beat for Ohio State. Michigan playing Maryland. And then uh, I was listening on the radio to the Delphi St. John's LCC game. Uh, so I was uh, in full force with uh, hoops last night, then watched the full Villanova-Seton Hall game. Uh, and uh, so I guess if... Uh, there's anything getting me through the uh, the winter and the pandemic and all of those things. It's it's hoops. So it's uh, good to be with you guys. Uh, give me your just. Uh, did you see the game last night, uh, Bags? The uh, OSU Purdue game at uh, the Schottenstein Center. Yeah, I watched it all. It was one of those games where Ohio State was in control. Yeah. But you just felt you felt uneasy because. Um, they hit a lot of threes early, and Purdue hung around. That's what Purdue does. They do. And it was one of those uh, – I call that a coach killer game. It's a, a game that Ohio State at home should have won. Um, they had won three in a row without a point guard, and it kind of righted the ship and had a great game uh, at um, uh, Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. yeah, Illinois. And, and they really had a lot of momentum, and they played really well to go up 11, and they let it slip away. And the last two possessions – um, were really unfortunate. Purdue shot like 20% from three, but they hit two straight threes to finish the game. And that, that was a heartbreaker, I thought, for Ohio State. Yeah, well said. Uh, I, I got to tell you, Jason, uh, I w- my narrative was going to be for tonight uh, with about seven minutes left in that game was, boy, Chris Holtman gets everything out of his team uh, despite some injuries and despite different lineups. Uh, and he was really successful, you know, beating Illinois, as Bag said, at Illinois. Um, and, and then they co- they just collapsed down the stretch, and obviously Purdue hung in there and, you know, hit kind of a wild shot uh, to end the game. But uh, your thoughts on uh, the Buckeyes uh, so far? Yeah, I think you're right on Holtman. He does get everything out of everything he has. That's been his M.O. since he got there. Yeah. Uh, remember, those first couple of, of groups, the recruiting classes were kind of off, remember, and and the, the, the classes were a little weird, and guys some guys left, and he still had them right there where we were kind of hunkered in, or at least I was kind of hunkered in for, well, maybe they missed the tournament a couple years, and they have to kind of rebuild what's going on there. And I mean, he's been in the tournament every year, so that obviously hasn't happened. 
Um, I, I'm not look. I'm not putting the guy on blast, but at some point here, it's his job to make them good, not just a team that he gets everything out of. And since he's been there, I haven't ever been able to look at them and say, "Ooh, that's a good team." You know, like yeah. the first year, it was like, "Oh, well, they've got KBD, and and that's about it." And now they've kind of been underachiever, or uh, overachievers rather to me. Uh, but at some point, he's got to get those kids in there and and uh, have string together some recruiting classes and and get Ohio State to where I think all the fan base thinks it should be. Yeah. Well, and next, and next year should help. The number one recruiting class belongs to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Next is, year. is that right? In in the uh, in the nation or in the Big Ten? In the nation. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I yes. think that, that that I mean that's really uh, that's incredible. Uh, many of those coming from the state of Ohio. At, uh, in in uh, what what your uh, your research tells you, uh, a few like obviously Etzler from Crestview, but but it's nationwide. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a couple couple from Ohio State and a couple nationwide as well. And, and again, going back to last night, the bottom line. Look at the box score. Um, we can't. And hats off to Justin Aaron's. He, he's really played his role well. Yeah. He played a lot of minutes last night. I thought he was a liability defensively late in the game, but he can't take more shots than than, than Lydell, and that happened last night. Lydell took seven shots the whole game. That can't happen. Yeah, and he and and uh, and he EJ played great against Illinois, and uh, you go all the way back to the Notre Dame game. He played great. You're right. He he's got to be a presence in there. Uh, I'm with you both. I, I I do agree, Jason, that you know they can't they can't just be that team that you go, boy, we. You know we're the we're the blue collar team that really operates really well and puts you makes everybody you know struggle offensively because we play such great defense and then we win we win uh, either either close games or little margin games but uh, I'll be excited to see I, I really do like it's something that I gravitate towards when they do recruit people from the state of Ohio that you get to see at the state tournament or you get to see you know, around the state of Ohio, and then they get a play at OSU for three or four years. That's always, you know, that I go back to that Aaron Kraft, Diebler, Sullinger, um, who was the all-time leading scorer from uh, Toledo Libby. Um, that, cool, Buford. Yeah, yeah, so Buford. You know, you look at all of that, and that it, it, I just get excited. I guess I always got excited to watch Dakota Mathias or Xavier Simpson uh, Aaron Kraft, people that, that I know, John Diebler. So, uh, but that goes back a ways. I mean, that's almost, that's probably close to 10 years ago, isn't it? That Diebler and, and Kraft, um, oh, it's been forever came, now. came into, came into Ohio state. So, well, listen, that's, that's a big deal. We'll come back to the big 10. I just wanted to, you know, share my opening thoughts that, uh, man, it was a, it was a lot of basketball, last night uh, that uh, I was uh, taking in, and that one was a painful loss for Ohio State. Uh, all right, so... Hey, Billy, it just, uh, let me let me interject here before we change the subject, just sure. so the people listening know. Uh, it just hit my ear weird when, when Banks threw out the recruiting thing. It's that 2022 class that's number one in the nation right now. Okay, okay, so, so not... Uh, this one coming up, this one coming up, remember, Michi Johnson was the was the guy and now he's there so he now he's there. not in that recruiting class anymore so i don't even know where they're ranked anymore they obviously took a big hit when he enrolled yeah the good the, yeah th- th- thanks jason I, I was looking that up too and said uh, uh i was wrong so you corrected me on that well i hate to uh, i hate you. to do that i never know the protocol there go ahead and edit that out if i'm a jerk for correcting you right no. here on the podcast no <laughs> it, it's what it's what you should do hold back, back accountable. that's great that's yeah, great that's right 
Yeah, so 2022, uh, and uh, it was uh, something that he came in, Michi, because he ended up, you know, they're down players, and uh, they're down from an injury standpoint. So uh, come back, and we'll talk about uh, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, uh, college hoops uh, coming up. Uh, let, let's, uh, as we do, uh, talk a little off topic of hoops in this uh, in this podcast, especially while we still have it. I started thinking about that the other day, Jason, that, you know, you're a big college football fan, and that's now disappeared, meaning that championship's happened. Uh, and now the NFL is down to the final four, and they'll be down to the final two in just a few days. And I always think about that as a broadcaster, uh, a talk show host, and just somebody interested in sports. Man, when you lose football, and you lose it at both levels, the college level and the and the uh, professional level, Man, it, it cuts into the ability to uh, create shows and create topics, etc. So uh, let me just say this. Uh, the NFL uh, last weekend, uh, I, I really was intrigued. You had the, the weekend prior, you had six. I was almost exhausted for the Ohio State National Championship game with, uh, well, let me just say this. I was exhausted uh, when they played Alabama because I had just watched six games uh, that were uh, taking place over the weekend, uh, where you had three on Saturday, three on Sunday. That was the Super Wild Card weekend. And then last week, uh, you had the divisional round, uh, and you had the Bills and the Ravens. Uh, by the way, that game got over 30 million views, uh, and that's just on the TV side, on the broadcast side. Highest ratings for a Saturday night game uh, across all four broadcast networks uh, in uh, the last five years. And I didn't see the Packer-Tampa Bay rating, but I'm guessing that was uh, was good. So you're getting 30 million plus for uh, these uh, these divisional games, and so the NFL, believe it or not, man, they plowed through and they were able to just grind it out. And it looks like they're gonna they're gonna get everything in, and uh, they ended up doing that. And, and their ratings have been terrific. So they've really kind of outperformed where they were even just a couple of years ago. Um, so listen, Browns. And the Chiefs, a um, bit of a heartbreaker for the Browns, especially not being able to get the ball back late in that ball game. Um, I'll start with you, Jason. Uh, what what was your thoughts on uh, that game from Arrowhead? I, I mean, we talked on the radio show, right, that I thought the Browns were for real. And I think we all thought the Browns could hang right in there in that game. And I, honestly, it played out about how I kind of figured it would. It was, you know, they were right in it the whole way. Uh, the better team still won. I mean, they're not better with Chad Henney at quarterback, but they had enough of a cushion still that they were able to win it. I understand. I'm not a Browns fan, but I understand why they would be heartbroken because they got so close, and that turned into a very winnable game. And, and there was a that egregious call. I mean, that fumble in the end zone. Uh, yeah. Like I said on the broadcast, I think I <laughs> I don't like to toot my own horn, but I was like, look, the fumble into the end zone thing with the touchback, yeah, that's fine. Rules are rules. But there's a rule against helmet-to-helmet contact, too. Yeah. And that should have negated that. That was terrible. Uh, so they, they do. They, the, a fan base that already kind of always looks on the dark side of things sees that they had a really bad call against them. And, and they were in the game. And it was winnable. And then they didn't get it done. So I understand why they're heartbroken. But, boy, from a neutral standpoint, nothing but optimism where I'm concerned as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned. And that's the first time in my 44 years of life that I think I can say that. Yeah. Uh, Bags, any, uh, any, uh, I'll let you get your thoughts on that game, but uh, is there, 
I mean, I, that that whole topic, that whole next day across all kinds of platforms, talk radio, TV, podcast, etc., we're focusing on how, I guess, archaic or uh, how outdated that rule is or how penal that rule is where you're fumbling going into the end zone, you fumble it out of the end zone, and you not only don't get the ball back or you don't, you don't get the ball at, at all, you literally give up the ball um, to the other team. Um, is, there, is there a more punitive rule uh, that we have in our you know, four major sports across the board that you see as even comparative to that? I, I don't. Uh, as I watched it, I'm not a Browns fan either, but as I watched it, I thought to myself, we need to get rid of this rule um, in pro football and all football. We need, to, we need to change the targeting rule in college uh, to not make it an ejection the first time, make it 15 yards and go on from there. That, that, that's ultra punitive. But that rule right there uh, in professional football and, and all football, the, the touchback rule, that has got to go away. The, the ball should be placed where it was fumbled and you play on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and that was a hard – that was a heartbreaker for the Browns, and I, I think if I was a Browns fan or a Browns uh, loyalist, I would say put all our time and energy into getting better defensive players across the board, and they're going to be tough to beat next year. Yeah, good, good. I'll, I'll come back to that. Uh, the uh, uh, interesting, interestingly enough, that the the targeting call isn't in the NBA. Don't you? Don't they give you a flagrant one or two? Like so, if you if it's if it's if it's one, it's a flagrant flagrant one, and then if it's if it's if it's a two, you're out, right? Is that fair to say? Isn't isn't that the way that works uh, in the NBA? And if it doesn't, that'd be my that's how I would go about uh, adjudicating that rule. I would go about it in the college game and then the NFL game in the same way, which is, you know, hey, if if there's a flag for targeting. You either pick up the flag and there's no targeting. You give them a flagrant one, or you give them a two. And if you give them a two, they're out. And if it's a if it's a one, you know they're it's a, it's a it's a it's it's a uh, uh, I guess you you get the yellow yellow light and then you get the red light, so to speak. So you get a caution, and then you and then if you do it again, you're out. So I think they didn't want to make the officials have to determine intent is why they didn't even mess with with that it's like uh it wasn't like r- roughing the kicker did that used to be there was there was either 15 or 5 and now it's mm. all 15 something used to be either 15 or 5 and then they yeah. just said no no we're going to make it all 15 because we don't want the officials to have to have to decide what the intent was on the play i could even go as far as i don't care how egregious it was i don't care if you told the guy you were going to hit him in the head and then you did maybe it's just a 15 yarder that first time and then it becomes a they rack up, you know, like technicals in the NBA where mm-hmm. you get so many technicals and now you start getting suspended. Well, yeah. your first one's a freebie, but don't let me catch you doing it again all season because you're out then. Yeah, good point. Good point. That guy from the Bengals, he would be in trouble with that rule. Oh, uh, geez. What, what, what? Well, I forget his name, but uh, uh, in any event, uh, so, all right, so that's Browns Chiefs. Uh, impressed with the Bills uh, versus the Ravens? Start with you, Jason. Uh, yeah, we couldn't pick that game on, on Sunday or on Saturday, yeah. remember? I was like, geez, every time I think I can just write off the Ravens, now it looks like maybe I can't. Uh, so now, I mean, that that uh, storyline, I guess, is back on now where you, you don't want to 
put money on the Ravens in the postseason uh, anymore. Yeah, I've been impressed with the Bills a little more every week, honestly, to the point now that, I, I mean, obviously, if if Penny's starting a quarterback in Kansas City, everybody in the world's going to pick the Bills in that one. But after seeing the Browns battle right there with, with Kansas City and, and seeing Kansas City play nothing but close games all year, I mean, are the Bills really a long shot going in there? They're, they're really good. Yeah, the line is low. I mean, all these lines are, you know, under four, I guess. Uh, and I think the uh, Chiefs are maybe a three-point favorite, something like that. I maybe started out at three and a half. Uh, uh, did you get a chance, uh, Bags, to check out the Bills and the Ravens that Saturday evening? I did watch some of it. I, I just I don't understand what the Ravens are trying to do offensively. I, maybe, maybe it's just my bias toward the Harbaugh's, and maybe I, I just think both those two coaches are really stubborn. But uh, I, I just not seeing uh, what the Ravens are trying to accomplish. They've got a lot of talent on offense, but I'm not. They scored three points. Mm-hmm. So, so, I, and I, I love Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo, they're tough. They're well coached. Um, they're kind of unsung heroes, and, and they play really well together. Yeah, that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough game for for Kansas City. I, I think I think you're right uh, because you know, despite the concussion, and I think that uh, Mahomes will end up getting cleared to play. But he was having a toe issue there that looked like that might be a factor, and he's such a mobile quarterback, so good uh, that I think that could that could play a factor. So I, I agree. I look for that to be a, a close game, and I think the the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs have had you know maybe seven or eight games where it's all been under seven or eight points, uh, and most of them under five recently. Uh, so uh, I like that as well. Uh, Tampa played the Saints. That was kind of the uh, you know, the AARP Bowl between uh, Brady and Drew Brees, two guys that combined age for 85. One of them looked like he was 85, and Drew Brees, he did not look good. Uh, turns out there was a report today that, uh, and this, we're taping this on, uh, on uh, Wednesday after the uh, Sunday game, that uh, he not only had broken ribs, but during the year he had a torn uh, uh uh, foot, something in his foot with fasciitis. Uh, his wife, I, I think, either reported that or his wife said that. Uh, and he had another issue. Oh, a, to- a torn rotator cuff. And that, that kind of showed uh, on on Saturday or on Sunday. But uh, Tom Brady advances to the uh, conference final, and Drew Brees probably set for retirement. I mean, I don't want to push him into retirement. Especially with all the the injuries, I mean, you know, he comes back healthy. Who knows what he can do? But Ooh, I, that's I want to I want to push him there though. They were they were actively getting him off the field in order to score points. I mean, that that the highlight of that game was that what reverse toss back touchdown by Jameis. Yeah, and I mean, if that's what you're dialing up, and we all know they've they've got all the packages, uh, you know, where where he comes off and and they they bring in the mobile quarterback, and I'm blanking on his name right now, which is pretty dumb but uh so yeah that that's a mess right there if, if drew's if that's his 60 percent or whatever and and you don't think he can get back to 100 Ooh. he needs for the sake of the franchise to, to say okay man i know when it's time i gotta tell you if i'm his wife and kids i i i think i want him just to, just to say hey great great career you're 42 years old go go to nbc go make more millions doing that and enjoy you'll stay close to the game but uh yeah, it's a uh, man. I just think, I mean, all the ribs. He had like eleven broken ribs, and 
I just I, I kind of fear for his life. I heard Troy Aikman on Dan Patrick this week, and Troy Aikman said he played in a game uh, that they ended up going to the Super Bowl. It was the AFC Championship – I'm sorry, NFC Championship game. Uh, and I don't know if it was 94, 95. And anyway, he said he literally had a concussion that he has total amnesia on that game. He, does, he has no idea what that game he, – he does not remember that game. At all, and then he played a week later. They didn't even have the two weeks off like they do now. Uh, and he went in. They won the Super Bowl, and I guess all is good. But man, I, I get I get a little scared when I hear all of those injuries. Uh, Bags, uh, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay uh, advancing. I was actually a little surprised at that that they they won the game. I thought the Saints would, but with Drew Brees in that position, it was going to be tough. So they now are going to play Aaron Rodgers, who beat the Rams. Yeah, and. and- and the soft side of bags comes out. Uh, Drew Brees is one of my favorite all-time players. I think he's a great human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was sad. It was sad to watch what happened there. He, he was not capable. And, and and truth be told, Michael Thomas, who I love also, um, we see now that he has to have multiple surgeries on the ankle. He was not right at yeah. all either. They were not at full steam. And I guess the highlight for me of that game was afterwards with Tom Brady and Drew Brees on the <laughs> field. That their their hug, their handshake, and Tom Brees throwing a touchdown pass Tom to his son. Just, yeah, yeah that, that whole the whole thing afterwards with Brady throwing to his son and just the embrace and just that emotional side of sports um, is what it's all about to me. Yeah, is the is the personal side. Drew Brees retires. He's gonna he's gonna be the the, the chief of, of New Orleans. I mean, he can do whatever he wants in that town the rest of his life. They love him. Uh, he needs to go out now. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good thoughts there. I, I, uh, I, I agree. I just think Drew Brees, man, great career. And, and by the way, Philip Rivers just retired today, uh, and I think at one point they were traded for one another, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or they they got Philip Rivers and traded away Drew Brees. The San Diego Chargers did. Um, when you think of uh, when you think of Philip Rivers and uh, Drew Brees or those those guys, I'm guessing. I mean. I mean, Drew Brees is a definite Hall of Famer and potentially Phillip Rivers. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I think Brees is the Hall of Famer. Um, man, I, honestly, I, I never watched a lot of Phillip Rivers. Like, yeah. I, I just, he just fell off my radar. And he was just, he, he seemed like he was always kind of, kind of, he put up the numbers, but the wins weren't there. Yeah. I mean, Brees having that Super Bowl means a lot, obviously. That's always a, a big judgment point. Um, I, I suppose it would come down to the numbers, and I haven't looked at them. I, think, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me Rivers was a Hall of Famer, but but I don't think of him that way. I, I, I think of him kind of like the precursor to Matthew Stafford, in my mind, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of numbers there, but I'm just not impressed. Yeah, uh, uh, Rivers, I just saw on PTI that he was fifth all-time in, uh, in passing touchdowns and uh, I think passing yards, potentially. Uh, he was fifth and fifth, so I mean, he's – He's high up on some things. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think <laughs> that I, probably doesn't. I think I think he'll probably get there. I don't know if he's a first baller. Oh, all right, finish up here on the NFL with just some quick hitters. Who do you think's in the best position of those teams that lost last weekend? The Browns going forward, the Browns, the Ravens, the Rams, or the Saints? Oh, Browns. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. I, I, it took me forever to go through in my head because I wanted to give you a quick enough answer. But, but yeah, again, the, the factory of sadness is no more. And, yeah. and I, I think they're in good shape going yeah. forward. I, the Ravens have the, the strong franchise there. 
But I agree with Bags. I don't know what they're doing on offense, and and there's no change to that right now. You're you're hitched to your quarterback, your dynamic running quarterback. So I don't see a lot of changes coming on offense. Uh, do you? I don't see it. Uh, you know, they they need to get some receivers. Their defense always plays pretty well. I mean, you know, it's kind of like the Browns. If you'd have told the Browns, hey, you're only going to give up 23 points to Patrick Mahomes, you're probably going to win that game, right? Um, Meaning I had people telling me, boy, that looks like it's a 40 to 31 game type thing. Uh, So, I mean, what did they give up? Uh, 17 points. It was a 17 to 3, the Bills and the the Ravens. So uh, I agree with you. they got to find somebody who can help Lamar. And can he, when things get – into that third and eight, third and nine, can he? Does he have people he can count on, tight ends and receivers, and can he thread that needle uh, to be kind of the prototypical uh, quarterback in the NFL? We'll we'll see. Uh, Bags, uh, who do you think in that group? Browns, Ravens, Rams, Saints. I'm going to go off the beaten path here. The Rams, but I don't think it could be Jared Goff. Mm. I don't think I know they they owe a lot of money, but I think if they trade for just Deshaun Watson. I think the Rams would be in great position. I think Sean McVay is a uh, maniac coach that is just so driven. I love him. I love his intensity, his personality. I I think he's driven to be the best. And and he did not give a vote of confidence for Jared Goff, quarterback. So I think Deshaun Watson would be the answer there. Yeah, uh, that could very well. And and then you might see there's a potential of – uh, a Carson Wentz or a you mentioned him earlier, uh, Jason Matthew Stafford going to Indianapolis uh, to fill that void where Philip Rivers was, um, and or the or as the Indy uh, all of the uh, the Indianapolis folks would like to see uh, Andrew Luck come back into the uh, into the NFL. Uh, one last thing, Jason, you're a Northwest Ohio guy and got got some uh, you know some some uh, Northern you know Ohio Michigan type. Uh, feels. Uh, what do you think? What What's Dan Campbell six years to the Lions? What's that say to you from the Saints? He was the tight ends coach at the Saints. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bury a guy before he gets his first game under his belt, but that organization is garbage, mm. and it's been garbage most of my entire life. <laughs> and I I don't think it starts at the head. I don't think the cure comes. You know. You yeah. can't get the great quarterback and expect everything to be fine when your organization's bad. You can't get the great head I'm not calling him a great head coach, but what if he is? What if he's the next Bill Parcells? But Bill Parcells wasn't good when he was in a bad organization either. Yeah. So uh, I think the changes have to come higher up. And the one thing we always bemoan, I've been a fan of plenty of teams with terrible ownership. Can't change that. No, They own it. Can't force them out. And <laughs> you know, when you're talking about the Lions, and I grew up a Bears fan, and, uh, I mean, there have been times where, where plenty of other I'm, – I'm blanking right now on some of the other teams I've cared about in my lifetime that just had – you just wanted the owner. You were begging them to sell. And <laughs> Yeah. Okay, there you go. You're, Sorry, Lions fans. You're, but he knows more. Trust me. I lived in Michigan for 12 years. I got tons of friends that are Lions fans. Nobody's arguing with me. Yeah. They, they are. I got to tell you. My you, team gets sold. I, I got to tell you, I love your style tonight. You are on a good roll. Bags, what do you think of Dan Campbell's six years to the Lions? Uh, I can't get over Jason's comment about the Lions being garbage. That's great. Uh, that, that, that's a classic tonight. I love it, Jason. Um, I, don't, I don't know him very well, to be honest with you, I, I, but I would agree. The Lions just seem like 
uh, ever since a young kid, I, I, I watched Barry Sanders, but never really cared about the Lions. I watched it for one reason to watch Barry Sanders. I could care less if they won or lost, but he was entertainment to me. Weren't they, weren't they relevant how- with like Wayne Fonts, even though they might have been like eight and eight? Weren't they like somewhat relevant with. Yeah, even- they had a playoff berth there. I think they won a playoff I, game under him. I think they played yeah. Washington or got beat by Wash- the Reds, you know, at the time, the Redskins. Yeah, so. it was. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, it, it, that, I think Megatron played for him then. And, oh and yeah, both those guys, both those guys retired early. I uh, think said Sanders and him retired early. I think I heard Chris Weber say that on Dan Patrick's show this week. He said, "Oh, he goes, are you a you know?" He asked if he was a Pistons fan growing up. He said, "Well, I was a Pistons fan and and a Laker fan because a Magic being from you know Michigan and he was everyone's idol growing up in Michigan." And he, and Dan said, "Oh, that must be painful to be a Lions fan." He goes, "Yeah, the only team." that's had two Hall of Famers retire when they had about eight years left, each of them. So, you know, that's the that's the Lions. So, uh, all right, very good. We'll get off that. Uh, la- last thing uh, on football. Um, you see any changes for the college football playoff? Because it, it just seems like, you know, it's the same old, same old. And if you're not an Alabama Clemson fan or Ohio State fan, it's really not – for you, so to speak, as a fan base, and the Bulls seem to be a little irrelevant. What do you guys think? Uh, we'll start. Jason, go right ahead. I think there's a path to an eight-team playoff or a six-team playoff. Um, I thought it was going to end up being more imminent than, than I, like maybe a year ago, if you had asked me, or or especially like at the start of COVID when everybody was was making you know making changes and 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 tweaking things. Uh, I, right now, though, I feel like it may we may, may be stuck with this for the length of this contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think it's imminent anymore. But I, I think there's a path to it once this contract's up. And uh, I, I'm a fan of an A team. I, look, I'm a fan of the BCS. I, I'm a, I'm I'm not old school enough that I want to go back to where we just vote on the champ. But I thought two was fine. But if you can't do two, I, I don't like four. I, yeah. I, I'm I think eight. I got to I got to be honest with you. I. I, I I never even thought of that until you said that Saturday, but I would agree with you. I'd rather have the BCS right now and have good bowl games uh, than than have what we have currently uh, because the bowl games just – it almost seems like, okay, there's the semifinals and then there's the finals, and the bowl games just don't matter. What do you think, Bags? You're a big OSU fan. I think if you want to make conference matter – I think you have to go to eight teams, and I think there's automatic the, the big conference get automatic, um, you know, pick, and then you go from there with that large. I think you make everybody happy. The games may not be better, but I think you make more people happy, and the almighty dollar speaks, and I think that'll eventually happen. I'm not sure when this contract is up, and Jason's probably right; they'll probably finish the contract or, or tweak it. But I think when you get eight teams, you get the conferences involved. That means something. And you get at large, that means something. And lots of money, that means something too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like where you guys are coming from. Okay, uh, let's dive into a little high school hoops. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a little bit since we've all talked, um, and there's been some pauses. There's been some postponements. Uh, it's been kind of a you know a, a, a stutter step, so to speak, throughout the year. But we've gotten some good. Uh, some good games in, and we've gotten some play in. Um, I, I guess I would just take, just start with you, Jason. Uh, looks like you know from this area, Shawnee's at the top of that mountain, and then everybody else is like midway up the mountain or at the bottom of the mountain. 
Uh, where do you see the state of high school hoops around our area? Yeah, Shawnee's the, the headliner right now, and, you know, with, with good reason. Um, they've had some tight ones lately. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they, they were just destroying people by 40 a game out of the gates. Um, but again, the schedule has gotten tougher, and it's going to continue to, to stay tough now. So, um, but yeah, we've talked about them numerous times. There, there aren't enough good things to say about that team from, you know, the coach right down to the seventh or eighth man. Um, they're deep. They're exciting. They, they are thrilling to watch on defense, the way they turn teams over and then get straight to the basket at the other end. Um, big fan of everything they do. Uh, I thought we came off uh, this word. Like you said, we're recording this on Wednesday. Tuesday night was fantastic. The LCC St. John's game was a two-point game. The Perry Minster game was a two-point game. Audeville Crestview went overtime. And, uh, you know, the, the common theme there is there's a lot of D4 teams in there. I can't wait for our D4 district and regional oh, tournament around here. I, I have that written down. Hold that thought. I have that written okay. down. Uh, did Perry or Minster win that game? Perry won by two. Came back from like 11 down at halftime. Wow. That's a big win. We talked to Tabes on Saturday. That's a that's a big win. Uh, Bags, you had some interesting thoughts on um, Shawnee and and their margin of victory, but really uh, the key to them with uh, their center, Tyson Elwer, and where that all fits into this uh, conversation. Yeah, I've been pretty clear about that, and I've watched it in person when he's a sophomore, and, and I've seen it now as a senior with, with him being out. Uh, he is – the key to that team, and I, and I and I say that respectfully to the rest of the players, especially George Megas and, and all their good players, but Tyson does everything so well that doesn't show up in a box score. And defensively, he anchors our defensive um, effort. Offensively, he moves the ball. He makes it hard to guard. He gets offensive rebounds. In fact, when he got hurt, it was on an offensive rebound. And so I, I just think without him, they're vulnerable um, in that district tournament. There, there are five good teams, six good teams in that in that district in Division Two that kind of, of, of crept up on people. Teams like Napoleon, who's eight and three, St. Mary's is playing great right now, and, and uh, uh, they gave Shawnee a tough game without Elwer. Um, and then you have Wasion, who's really good as well. And, and Defiance makes you play tough, and, and Walpox overachieves. So, you know, Division Two is a little more interesting than you think, but for me, in Northwest Ohio, Division Four right now brings all the storylines. I, I can't wait to see that uh, sectional slash district tournament at Atlanta. And then, and then the regional. So, uh, just Jason, just share your thoughts on. Uh, you've got the Elida district, which is, you know, that there, there's just a, in, you know, there's a plethora of those teams that you talked about uh, off the air. You talked Lincoln View. There's Crestview, there's Ottoville, there's Kaleida, there's Columbus Grove, which would be the, the favorite at this point. Uh, uh, and then you go to the you go to the Wapak sectional, and we just talked about Minster and Perry, and then you throw in other teams down in the MAC and that soup. And interestingly enough, unfortunately, they now all go to what would be, we don't know where that's going to be now because of uh, COVID-19 and the restrictions, uh, that would typically be the Bowling Green Regional, right, uh, where they would meet. So only one team from our area in Division Four would get the state versus potentially two. Talk, share your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's it's a meat grinder, and it started last year that way, and it was 
so much fun. Yeah. You know, I, I joked with anyone that could listen how um, after that first or second game of the year last year where it was Ottaville Grove and Ottaville wasn't up to strength, you know, they, they weren't full strength, they had some injuries, and, and then we all thought, oh, well, we'll see it in districts, and then Kaleida just kept getting yeah. better and better, and Kaleida ends up beating Ottaville in the in the district semi, and, and then they ended up playing Grove in the finals, and boy, that made you really take notice there, especially since Earhart was only a junior, and so coming into this year, you've got those three all there. I think people that know a lot more than me really like Lincoln View, and I've seen them a couple times, and I can see what there is to like there. Um, so yeah, that that one that's usually played at Elida is kind of the crown jewel this year. Yeah. Um, but boy, if Perry Minster last night was any indicator. That Wapak one, goodness gracious, is it just me or does it seem like you're you're buckling in for 32-30 games down there? It always ends up to be the teams that can just D the heck out of you. And, man, is it tough to get out of I, that district. I've had a great history of that. It's funny. I we, we used to do a lot of those games on radio, and because of the way the setup, our uh, 107.1 Delphi station would do the Elida group, and then I would go with Koza and Metzger to the Wapak um, uh, district, and it, it was fascinating. I mean, at one point, Spencerville was in that mix. Uh, uh, Perry was like knocking on the door. They'd get to the semifinal game, and then you know, then St. Henry would be at them, or Marion Local, or New Bremen, and then those battles. And there were so many people there in the crowd from those MAC schools. Uh, and then Perry, you know, broke through a couple of years, and then they. You know, they, they got and they played Silver Springs, I believe, in the regional the one year, and then they got to state the next. But that's an incredible regional but I, or district. But I would tell you, Jason, I, I, I am so looking forward to it. I went with Coach Adams last year to that district, and I have pictures of it in video. And, of course, it's, it's, it's so foreign to us right now. That place was lit up with fans. It was so crowded. You had Grove. And you had Kaleida, and then the night, you know, a couple nights before, you had Ottoville, Kaleida, Crestview, and and uh, Grow. It was it was an incredible experience, and I'm I'm I know the fans probably won't be like that this year, but I'm really looking forward to being there. Bags, you you were on to this subject uh, about five minutes ago, so go ahead. Well, up north, you're going to probably have Toledo Christian and Antwerp. That'll be two teams in that BG, and then you look at Elida. We've got Ottaville, Grove, Kaleida, Crestview, Lincolnview, and the team no one's talking about, now their schedule's a little bit suspect, is Lipstick. They're 10-1 right now, mm. and no one's – they're the sixth best team in that in that uh, sectional. And then you go down south to Wapak, and you've got Perry, Minster, St. Henry, New Bremen's 9-4, and four, and Marion Locals won like six in a row. They're 8-5 and five and playing great, and they're, and they're a tournament-type team. Kurt Gutemiller – Teams, that'll be a low-scoring game, whoever they play. Remember last year, they held the ball for like three minutes and won the game on a great execution at the end because um, I believe they were playing Minster, didn't come out and guard them. Um, and and that, that brought the controversy. But think about those it's incredible. four sectionals it, it going into the, the four regional spots. Uh, obviously, I think your Wednesday Lida should be the favorite, but they're going to beat each other up. I mean, just to get to that district is going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, so the, the the four and five seeded teams or, or five and six will have to play a great section of final just to make it to district. That's yeah, you're so exactly right. Incredible. No, that's hey, those are really good points, and that's kind. Of, I'm excited because we're getting closer to that. 
but to, 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 to hear all of the teams that will be going into that district and then that regional, uh, and then, of course, the Wapak, it, it's, you know, stay tuned, folks. Uh, we'll keep you posted, but uh, uh, it's going to be a really good uh, run here for our Division Four teams all around. So uh, anybody else? Uh, you know, Lima Senior looked really good. I saw them against Finley. I was surprised at how they handled Finley. Usually that's a very close game. Uh, and defensively, they just played outstanding and really turned over uh, the uh, the Trojans in a, in a big way. Got out to a to a nice little halftime lead and then just took it from there. Um, I thought I was really impressed with them. Uh, they were playing very well, and then they get shut down with quarantine for about five games. So they missed the LCC game. That gets postponed, uh, folks, until February 6th. That's the night before the Super Bowl uh, on a Saturday evening. So. Um, Lima Senior, Jason, is decent. Uh, I shouldn't say decent. They're better than decent. Uh, they, they've surprised me with all of the losses that they had to come back and, and be, this, uh, be this good. But they have no mojo. They have no momentum, so to speak, because they keep starting and stopping. Yeah, you nailed it. And that's, and that's why we've gone this far into this podcast without mentioning the Lima Senior Spartans yeah. is because they're just not in front of our eyes right now and, and you're right I, I keep trying i'll trumpet the number every time somebody asks me 10 seniors graduated from last year's team i mean he's yeah. got two guys that have played any minutes at all and uh they're good they're deep they they really play good defense he really likes how hard he can coach them and how hard they play i've seen him with my own eyes four or five times now in the in the short amount of games that they're not or a short number of games they've played um and I'm not. I'm not saying they're they're, you know, a state semifinalist team like I think we all thought last year's team could have been because in Division One that takes another level. But there isn't that big fall off that easily could have happened. But we just have to see them. They've been amongst the most unlucky teams in the entire area as far it, as it, as far as the schedule goes. It is incredible, guys, that we we did not even mention uh, Lima Senior or Otto Glendorf. Otto Glendorf's ten and one. Yeah. Margin of victory. Margin of victory is thirty points, and they're only lost the LCC, which probably was a a good uh, awakener for them. And, and they've been out with COVID here for a little bit too. But those are two of the best programs uh, in the state, and we didn't even mention. Them. Yeah. And that shows how how good basketball is in Northwest Ohio. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, yeah, you're right, and you're right about that LCC Otto Glendorf game at the Supreme Court that. Probably a good wake-up call for Tyson McLaughlin's club uh, bags because they've not uh, lost since. And uh, that means they've lost two times in probably 35 games. So, you know, or 37 games, something like that. They're, you know, they they lost a game last year, I believe. Their only loss was to Shawnee. uh, And and so this year their only loss is to LCC. They may have a nice, uh, you talk about Division II and Division IV, uh, bags, uh, they may have a nice little pathway, uh, Ottawa Glendorf. Anybody else that you that resonates with you in Division Three? No, I mean the top three teams are going to be OG Wayne Trace is ten and three, yeah, and then LCC is LCC is eight and five. That's the three best teams. It's not even close after that. Yeah, and so I like, despite LCC winning that game, I still like Ottawa Glendorf. Uh, you know, as a as a more veteran team, especially come tournament time. So yeah, I, I got to tell you, hey, Ottawa Glendorf, I, I guarantee they. I shouldn't say I guarantee. They had a really good path to the. They they had to win one more game to get to state. I felt like they were 
primed of, you know, it's funny, you know, I guess I would have picked Grove to beat Parkway and not certain about Lima Senior in that final of the regional there. And then uh, the other one was uh, uh, was Ottawa Glendorf, Grove, and uh, Lima Senior. Am I missing anybody there? Shawnee. Uh, oh, Shawnee. Yeah, Shawnee. Yeah. And, and I did think Shawnee was going to make it to state, but just in terms of ease, I thought Shawnee, or I'm sorry, Ottawa Glendorf had the easiest because uh, they had to win one more game and they were there. They had already played their their one regional semifinal, so they may find themselves right back in the same position they were last year with a team that if I looked at it and added a percentage, I'd say if they were 100% last year with Westrick and, and Shoemaker and all that they lost, uh, I'd say there's 70% of that, maybe 75% of that, but they're still position bags to be able to to get back to where they were. I agree, and I, that game next Friday, a week from um, Friday, oh, yeah. uh, Shawnee OG is an intriguing game because I don't think Shawnee would be full strength, and, and uh, it's at OG. Although, you know, the home home court advantage is not near as much as it would be if it was, uh, you know, all yeah. fans. But I have a sneaking suspicion that at Putnam County there may be a few more fans than 300 in that gym. They they yeah uh, they had a nice little <laughs> contingent. Uh, when I was there, and I did the game on radio uh, where they played LCC. All right. Um, boy, that's a good good talk on uh, our local high school hoops. Well, folks, we'll keep you posted on all of that. Is, uh, we'll have some – should have some really good games, and we know that Shawnee's got a really nice schedule here. If they're able to play those games, it'll be uh, good to see. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get out of here on this. Uh, I think the Celtics and the Sixers, your Celtics bags are playing – this evening uh, in the Sixers, but it's Sands Dakota Mathias. He's waved from them. And I always think whenever I watched Hard Knocks on HBO, I was like, man, that's a that's a harsh that's a harsh like uh, profession where they, they just call you in and go, hey, we're going to let you go. You're out. And in the you know, everybody kind of says goodbye and that's it. They posted on Twitter that they're like, we have waved the Sixers you know, official Twitter handle said, we have waived Dakota Mathias. And uh, that's it. That was it for Dakota Mathias with the Sixers. Um, never surprised in that industry, the professional sports, but I guess I was a little, uh, you know, just uh, interested that he had seemed to play decently. I know he didn't, you know, sometimes he'd be, you know, three for nine or three for 11 or whatever, but uh, he had a big shot there. I thought he'd be able to to stay in there. What what do you guys know, Jason? What's your reporting tell you about Dakota being uh, uh, released there? To the untrained eye, I was blindsided by it. Hmm. He's been good, you know. Yeah. I mean, for for what they needed, that that he started a game because of the whole COVID thing when they only had like seven players, and right. Uh, I mean, he hit what amounted to a game-winning shot at one point. And look, I'm not telling you he was, you know, a, a superstar in that league or that he ever will be a superstar in that league but he's a good player uh i can't imagine that he doesn't go hard and practice and stuff like that just because we've known him for so long uh and then to to get released from a team that needs bodies and 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 not for anything not not for well we found this better guy or yeah. hey there's this g leaguer or so i know the g league's not playing but whatever it was just Everything I saw was just like, oh, they wanted to have some money in case they decided to make a future move. And I was like, whoa, what? Yeah. I mean, wave him then when the move happens. 
Don't, don't you need some help? A guy that can, can shoot and can D up a little bit? I guess not. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think, Bags? Well, after my emotional uh, tirade went, went away, which I, I thought the same thing, I dove into this a little bit. I've had a, had a few extra minutes uh, to dive into these things. And the bottom line is uh, the Sixers had three guards coming back off of uh, the COVID list. And then you look at pure numbers. The NBA looks at analytics and numbers. And unfortunately, uh, Dakota was only shooting 31% from three. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the numbers they look at, you talk to any, any of those number guys, is they, they want them to shoot 38 to 40% from three, if that's what you, if that, if that's what you can do. That, that's your main strength, which is Good call. that is his main strength at, at the NBA. So, unfortunately, I, I think he lost out to a numbers game. Even though he hit the game winner the week before, and even though he started a couple games, um, you know, and, and we're biased, obviously, to Dakota because he's a great teammate and those kind of things. But I think it came down to the three guys they brought off the COVID list uh, as a two-way player, which, you know, those positions are very, very, uh, uh, you know, enticing to have. They wanted to give themselves options for a post player uh, possibly coming coming open. And Dakota lost out on numbers. And whether it's right or wrong, it's a it's a business and it's brutal. Uh, so that's you're what telling happened. me that the guys that write the checks haven't been uh, around the kids since he was 14, like we all have, and, and <laughs> they're, they're they're not they don't have that in the back of their head when they make their moves. They're just looking yeah. at the numbers. <laughs> they, they, that's great. They pull out a they pull out a sheet of paper and say, you know what, we got three guys coming back. Uh, Dakota's a great kid. Uh, see ya. Yeah, that's great. Uh, hey, he was. I tell you what, his graduation party was great. We should keep him. Uh, no, I, I got to tell you, you're right. We we have this internal bias about who that kid is and and rooting for him so hard, or you know anybody from Lima in that that fashion, uh, but especially Dakota, just because we've seen his progression, that we thought, oh, he's getting his opportunity. Maybe this will be kind of a truncated year where he gets to hang around and uh, may make himself, uh, you know, uh, worthy of being able to, to stay there. So great information there, Bags, because you're right. That that makes all the sense in the world is that uh, just for the listeners that may not be as up to date on everything, a two-way player is actually getting paid some uh, quote-unquote significant dollars versus the G League where you might be capped out at making $50,000. He he might be making ten to fifteen thousand dollars a game up in the big leagues, and if he's able to to do that for twenty games, all of a sudden that's a really nice payday for him. But it goes against what they're doing, and they may be able to bring somebody. You know, those six, seven, six, eight guys who are a dime a dozen in the NBA with length and defensiveness. Um, I was just hoping. You know, he might, this is a long way from where Dakota is right now. Uh, he might be that Tyler Hero type player for the Heat uh, who came out of Kentucky, played at Kentucky for a year. Uh, I was hoping that uh, uh, Dakota would become that player, and he may be, and he may get there. But uh, for now, he's uh, potentially, and I don't know this, recording this on Wednesday, he's currently a man without a, he's a, he's a hooper without a hoop home. Uh, right now, so we, we wish him well. And we hope he resurfaces. Right now, with none of the other leagues going, you know. I'm sorry. A lot of the guys are right now with none of the other leagues going. Yeah. There's think, think how many good basketball players are out there right now that aren't playing. Yeah. Good good point. And and I did hear, and I, I don't have any confirmation on this. I didn't do the uh, I didn't do the deep dive on it, but I did hear that the G League may be starting up again, or they may be trying to get that going again. So 
Uh, we'll look for Dakota in either the G League or the NBA, but uh, suffice to say, uh, he's had uh, at least one of the two longest runs in Lima history, who anybody who graduated from a, a local high school here uh, in the NBA. So that's historic enough, and we'll keep rooting for him. Uh, all right, uh, last thing before we get you out of here, or second to last thing, uh, is uh, the uh, I watched the Brooklyn Nets the other night, and I know there's a lot of people down on uh, how they how they kind of put these AAU type teams together, but I got to tell you, I was stunned at how good James Harden and Kevin Durant were, and I'd be stunned if they don't get themselves find themselves in the conference finals. Do you guys think that uh, I'm crazy to say that? Well, it, it is a it's like threading the needle with those three personalities. Can they all be right for the right amount of time? Because the NBA is a long season and playoffs are a long time, you know, best of seven. Um, if they thread the needle, they can. But I tell you what, there are some crazy things going on in those guys, all those three guys' heads, especially Harden and Irving, in my opinion. Um, can they thread the needle? That's going to be the, the, the case. I think Harden less so. I just think he, you know, even though he orchestrated a lot of the things that happened in Houston, um, I just think that I, I think you know he's averaged 30 some points a game for a lot of years. I, I think he's a, a really it, it's incredible to me, guys, to watch him play. It's it's you know it's a cliche to say, but both he and Durant look like a video game. Uh, and I was saying at one point, I it, it took me until a few years ago, which this is blasphemy for a lot of people around here, but I finally put LeBron in my top five all time. My top five was. Magic and Michael Jordan. It was um, Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and then uh, Tim Duncan. Uh, I've now removed Larry Bird, sorry bags, and put LeBron there. Uh, but I got to tell you, I- I'm not too far away from putting Kevin Durant uh, on that starting five all time. He, to me, he is incredible, and to do what he does at seven foot, um, he, it just—it's just incredible. I, I'm putting them in the NBA Finals. That's what I'm just—I'm not a hot take guy. I'm not somebody who usually makes the bold prediction. I just think it's amazing. And they do play the Cavs tonight, by the way. I think they're on right now as as we speak. Um, all right. Uh, lastly, Jason, here's your uh, here's your softball. The Columbus Blue Jackets. And the NHL, give me the state of the Columbus Blue Jackets in your grade on the old uh, Jackets so far this year. Not good. They're having trouble scoring, right? Yeah, they've had trouble scoring for three or four, well, ever since Brad left. And uh, there doesn't seem to be an end in sight to that. The, the modus operandi has been that we're going to, these young kids will get better every year and that'll take care of it. And maybe that's true, but... That's an organization that needs to win now because windows don't stay open long. And, uh, you know, when you're a playoff team, that means anything can happen. Mm. Uh, but you can't you can't play like they do and expect to – like even last year, the year before, it was fun to win a playoff series. But you just knew. They, everybody else was so much more talented. They have to work so hard to score. You, you, can't, you can't go through life like that. Unfortunately, in the free agency this year – there were only a couple of guys that were going to remedy that and still play defensively sound hockey that you have to do in Columbus. Yeah. That's not a team that's taking you on and going to let you just float around when you don't have the puck. That, that, that won't fly. So you have to be a special kind of player. That's why it hurts so bad to lose Panarin. He yeah. was perfect. Yeah. He was everything they could have ever dreamed of, and, and there aren't many guys like him. 
But yeah. they stink right now. They're one and three. Uh, but every game is a new chance, right? There you go. All right. So the the old double whammy, negative, positive. I love it. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, what are you looking for? Finish up. Uh, by the way, this uh, uh, this uh, broadcast brought to you by Westgate Entertainment Center. It's our good friends Andy and Wes Johnston. Uh, bowl with Westgate. Party with Westgate. Have your party, your birthday parties, uh, and have that great pizza at Westgate as you dine in or carry out at Westgate. Uh, it's our good buddies at Westgate Entertainment Center. It's pizza, pins, and pop all day long at Westgate Entertainment Center. Okay, uh, what are you looking forward to uh, this weekend, uh, Hoops? Why start with you, uh, Bags. I'm looking forward to seeing how Ohio State responds. They go to Wisconsin uh, on Saturday, and, and I know – I want to see them respond the way I hope they do because they're off then until the following Sunday, I think, with Michigan State. So they've got a big break after this game this Saturday. They need to perform well and bounce back after that tough loss last night. Yeah, uh, very good. Jason, what are you what are you looking for, either high school-wise or college hoops-wise? Yeah, I'm, I'm at the high school level, as I Exam just because you know that's, that's where they that's what they pay me for. Yes. Uh, I love yeah. the action at the top of the MAC on Friday night. Minster's at Marion Local. Minster's yet to lose a MAC game. Marion Local, as as Bags mentioned earlier, uh, Kurt's got them playing great right now. They they had a rough start uh, and he has got them really rounding into shape. And then the other game is Fort Recovery at St Henry. St Henry doesn't have a league loss right now, and the Fort's just one game back. So that's it's like the top four teams in the MAC on Friday night, kind of playing within each other and. Uh, Mark also brought up Lipstick earlier and how um, one of the reasons that nobody's talking about him is because the schedule hasn't been grueling yet. Well, they're at Kaleido on Saturday, mm. so that'll be the Vikings' chance to really get a signature out there. Yeah, and Coach, uh, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, coach of Kaleido, I'm just drawing a huge blank here. Ryan Stexley. Ryan Stexley. I'm sorry, I was going to say Schroeder. I'm sorry. Uh, Ryan Stexley's done a great job, and they, they're really senior-laden. Uh, that should be a good one. Kirk Guttemiller, great coach at uh, Marion Local. We'll look for that as well. Thanks for those updates. Guys, it's a pleasure. It's uh, always great to be with you. Uh, thanks for the hour. Uh, thanks for the fun. Thanks for the good therapy uh, in this uh, world where we're uh, you know, trying to do our best to uh, get through the pandemic and get back to some normal life. And we'll look forward to uh, hopefully being filled with stadiums uh, probably next year, not uh, not necessarily this year. And I did see that the Final Four, uh, all of that being played in Indianapolis, but a number of those games I heard on the broadcast last night going to be played at uh, Mackey Arena uh, up in Purdue and uh, other games being played uh, around the city of Indianapolis at Butler and uh, other, other schools and potentially Bloomington. So uh, that'll be March Madness will take place in the state of Indiana, Real close to what you've gone through, Bags, with uh, your schooling, your son's schooling, and a lot of games and trips over to, to Indy. Uh, probably won't be with fans, but uh, at least it'll be close to us. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And it's going to be awesome uh, this year to actually see a, you know, a tournament and those kind of things. And, and Bags is happy right now because the Celtics uh, and Sixers are tied and Kemba Walker. <laughs> And Kemba Walker has 17 in 12 minutes, so Kemba's back. There you go. All right, guys. Hey, always a pleasure. We'll look forward to talking to you. And uh, as uh, one famous guy used to say, we'll see you on the radio. Have a good night, fellas. See you, guys. Good talking. You too, guys.